Hello and welcome to B-Side, where we revisit business world stories and tell a few of our own. We've been consuming a lot more content since the pandemic left us homebound. Filmmakers are streaming their films on YouTube and similar platforms, giving us hours of entertainment. But how is the entertainment industry itself doing? Adolfo Alex Jr., the award-winning director behind films like Mater Dolorosa and Circa, says that the virus has left entertainment workers vulnerable. Many of them work on a per-project basis. They aren't regular employees with the usual benefits. Mr. Alex is behind Extend the Love, which has raised more than 200,000 pesos to help film and TV crew members who have lost their jobs. In this episode, the director tells reporter Jarlene B. Chua how he thinks COVID-19 will change the way films and shows are shot. He also pays tribute to actor Anita Linda, who starred in two of his films before she passed away this June at the age of 95. A note on the timing of this interview. It was recorded remotely on June 20, weeks before the Film Development Council of the Philippines released guidelines requiring the submission of additional production documents, an unnecessary level of bureaucracy that earned the ire of the entertainment guilds. To get the discussion going, Derek, you've been with the industry for such a long time. How hard did COVID-19 hit you and your peers? The pandemic is really an eye-opener. And at the same time, like what you said, it hit the entertainment industry where there's a survey that says that the entertainment industry is the most hit industry because of the pandemic. And the most explicit manifestation of that is that most of the productions, whether for television or for film, were stopped. And at the same time, since a lot of the production people are on a per-project basis, so most of them are out of jobs for now and we're all still waiting for their assumption. So I guess maybe around 70 to 80% of the workforce that's behind the cameras and everything that is related to the film or to the television industry was hard hit by the pandemic. In your personal experience, how many projects were delayed and stopped shooting? I know you're still working from home. We were supposed to do three projects, two films and one anthology. One film is already in post-production, but the other one we're just about to start when we got that information, the declaration for the quarantine. So the shooting never happened and we're still waiting now for everything to settle down first because we have to plan it. Because later on when we discuss the, the protocols, I think there are some items in there that will not allow us to shoot certain scenes. Because of that, we have to rethink our script and how we are going to execute some scenes. So for now, we had those projects that were halted because of the pandemic. The Film Development Council of the Philippines released the guidelines in terms of shooting. Mm. Like, is it workable for you? And for reference of our audience, like, how many people are involved in the production usually? And it will be cut down to how many now? Normally, in a film shoot or in a television shoot, they're around, because it's defined by scale, either it's a mainstream production or a television production or an independent production. If it's an independent production, Sometimes there are just like a few people, like 10 to 15, depending on the number of actors also and the number of crowd or talents that you need. But it can balloon into like 100 or 300 people. I think maximum of 300 people, depending on the, the scale. Because of the pandemic, I think um, a lot of the people behind the productions are now being reconsidered. In the protocol, I think there would just be around 70 to 80 people. That's more than half of the entire production crew. 
that you but, have to cut off. But for a major production like that, having 70 to 80 people, how hard will the work be? Well, you have to rethink of the responsibilities aside from who's more important. Secondly, you have to do multitasking because a lot of the people in the production have really specific functions. They're not just there to enjoy the shoot. So now you have to do a detailed pre-production and also, you know, you have to tell your crew and your staff to be able to do a lot of things at the same time, especially with regards to the equipment because you have people holding the lights, you have people holding the boom mics, and you have people behind the cameras who are holding the camera if it's handheld or sometimes you have people taking care of the lenses. So now you have to minimize everyone and maximize your potential as a crew. I think that's the idea for now because of the situation. But it is workable. Like the guidelines of FDCP is workable for you. I think it is. But again, you have to design your project so that it would fit the necessities of the times. Meaning, how can you shoot? Like if you have a crowd scene, for example, wherein it's a beach party, a political party, for example, or a fire scene or a flood scene. Those things or those types of scenes, you have to rethink or do a creative way of how to do it. So those things are important for me as a director and also as a storyteller because you now have to mix what's reality and what's in the script. So it's a difficult decision to make. That's why for some films and some of my projects, we'll just wait for things to be back to normal, hopefully, because we cannot shoot certain scenes because when you watch it on screen, you know that it's not as what you intend it to be. You have to design the material and your project so that it would fit the protocol. Or if you already have a project that's already ongoing, you have to revise and do certain adjustments so that it would fit the released protocol so that it would be for the benefit of not only the audience but also for the creators because you have to be careful also with what you put out. How do you feel about those changes? When I was talking to other directors, they feel excited about how to do it differently now. How about you, sir? I'm also excited because that allows you a certain creative leeway and also a certain creative elbow to be able to create certain scenes within the context of the situation. But more than that, I think I'm also excited to go back into production because I want to see how this would work. It's like before you have 300 people or like 100 people in the set. Now you have like 50 or 70 people doing the same kind of work. So it would be difficult, but I think the idea is to be able to maximize your potential as a part of the group. And that's where you will realize, I guess, not only for creative and also for technical people, the value of what each person's role in the production is. That's what I'm excited about, to see how this will work and how are we going to tell our stories. Because I think it would radically change from what we normally do because of the pandemic. I think there's a lot of adjustment in terms of how the content would be. You mentioned about many of your crew and the production crew are per project basis. Mm -hmm. Of course, the FDCP has given a bit of aid, cash aid through their own programs. But do you think it's enough? And what led you to do Extend the Love? For a normal production crew who only works on a per project, basis, it would be difficult for him to sustain himself and his family because a lot of them have families to support. Most of them are breadwinners who work because they have children to support, parents to support, sometimes a family to take care of. We thank the FDCP because they were able to help 
in their own little way, a large number or a certain percentage of the workforce. But reality is, it is not enough. Imagine someone who's only using or budgeting the amount of money that he received from FDCP, for example. So it would be very difficult. That's why... As a director and also, you know, because I work closely with the same people for my productions. That's why I came up with the idea of doing hashtag Extend the Love because a lot of them have been texting me or asking me if how they can think of other ways to be able to sustain themselves during the quarantine. So I thought of doing a fundraising by showing some of my films to help the immediate people that I worked with. That's the idea before. Those people who I regularly work with, like my production staff and also the lighting people that I regularly work with, I want to help them directly. It was just a small initiative in the beginning. I showed some of my films online and asked for some donations. So that's how it started. But when we got a lot of feedback, now a lot of people have been texting us or messaging the page. So we decided to add some more. But of course, it's not a big initiative because we only work with what we get from the donation. As an offshoot of that, we came up with Actors Q. It's like a series where we talk to different actors from different generations and they discuss their filmography and also how they interact with each other and then also the situation of the pandemic. And then during the live discussions, we ask our audience on Facebook to help us and donate for the displaced film workers. Of course, you get very small amounts during the live sessions, but if you add them all together, that would help anyone. That's the idea behind the initiative. I think you started this April, I believe. Yes, we started April with the screening of one of my films, Four Days. From then, we showed some of my shorts and also some of my old films. And then by May, I think we started with Actors Q and we wrapped it up. We ended it with last Wednesday with our tribute to Anita Linda. You had a lot of actors like, say, Regine Velasquez and Ogi Alcacid were probably more hmm. recent the Noni Buen Camino and everyone. Can you tell us a bit more, what did you learn in doing Actors Q in terms of how actors are working in quarantine probably? I learned a lot from Actors Q because, well, as a director, you work with actors directly. It's good to know how they process their roles and their characters, number one. And of course, you see how different generations of actors, because you have the earlier generations, the senior stars, you have Jacqueline Asedjina Alahar, you have Bembol Rocco. And then you have the younger generation of actors like Daniel Padilla, Kathleen Bernardo, Jody Santa Maria. So you see how different they work together. But what I learned is an actor who's passionate is willing to, to undergo certain challenges when it comes to the roles that they play. So no matter how old or how long you've been in the industry, the idea is the passion still remains. And that's what's important because if you have that passion, then you will be able to translate it into a good platform for you to portray good characters. Most of them would, in the sessions would always tell us that they study their roles, number one. And number two, given the limitations because Filipino actors are not like actors in Hollywood where they have enough time to take on a certain role and to stay on with that role. Diba? They have months to prepare while our actors, they go straight to a film set the next day. So it's very different. But when you watch the film, the output sometimes it's even better than what other foreign productions churn out. So that's the gift of Filipino actors. I think they work under pressure, but the pressure helps them to come up with very good performances. Where there are interesting stories that I learned, like Regine Velasquez told us that she has difficulty doing certain dramatic scenes because she hyperventilates. She suffers from it. So offhand, she would tell the production or when she reads some materials, she would choose materials that would fit her limitations. 
But more than that, I think what I learned the most in the last episode that we did with Anita Linda, because Anita Linda, being an icon of Philippine cinema, she was born 1924 and she passed away just a few weeks ago. Imagine seven decades of working as an actress and having gone through three golden ages of Philippine cinema. And based on the testimonies of the people she worked with, you get a feel of how one actor has that longevity of a career. I guess that's what I learned the most because I worked with her, but what I learned the most from the testimonies of other actors is that she lights up when she hears action. And even though she doesn't know how to ride the horse, she doesn't know how to do certain things, when she hears the word action, she exemplifies and epitomizes professionalism because she will do anything for the role. Even at the latter part of her career when she's already 80 and even last year when we were doing Circa, she's 94. So imagine at her age that she's still willing to do film. So at the end of the day, it's three words, I think. Number one is you have, the, if, as a, a good actor or someone needs to have the passion and number two needs to study and learn the craft and then number three is she needs to be professional because that would entail him to have a very long career. I think one of the biggest lessons I've seen during this pandemic is how fast people can come together and help other people in need. But these are mostly private sector. Do you believe that the government has done enough to safeguard our entertainment workers? I think they're doing their best, but I think for now, they should reevaluate the policies, number one. Number two, evaluate also the situation. Lisa Dino of FDCP is always... I think, on guard when it comes to understanding the situation. But of course, we don't have enough funds. That's the mm -hmm. idea. I read one of her posts where she went to Congress, you know, asking for help for some funding because, like what I said earlier, the entertainment industry is the most widely hit sector because of the pandemic. So I think we have to reassess our policies and functions because I know that the government has a lot to take care of. I think they also have to consider the people working in our industry because I think in one of our sessions in Actors Q, there was one actor who said that a lot of people are questioning if actors, people working in the industry, film, television, or in the live concerts are essential workers. One of the actors in the series said that looking at it on a bigger picture, I think the actors, the singers, those in the entertainment sector are also essential workers in effect because they're the ones inspiring people because of their work. And when people see a film, people listen to music or watch a certain show, they get the sense of inspiration and that inspiration propels them to be able to also inspire other people. In this situation, when there's an air of depression, an air of negativity because we don't know what would happen to us, to our family members, to people next to us because of the COVID virus. But if you see people watching and then you, you get people to smile or to empathize with the characters, they get grounded. And I think she was right in saying that the people in the entertainment industry are also essential because we give inspiration and we give hope to people in these very difficult times. Because of that, I think it's a good way for the government to also take a look at us and also maybe support us because I think a lot of us need support, especially because like what I said, a lot of us work on a per-project basis. Because you work on a per-project basis, you are at the mercy of your last project. If you don't have work now, like for three or four months, a lot of them has a lot of difficulty sustaining their own livelihoods. I guess they have to think of that so that they can also give us help. 
I think what's important now is not to segregate certain sectors, but look at the Philippines as an entire nation where everyone needs help and to properly allot what we have, share it equally. Like when you have a pie, we have 10 people sharing it. You can divide the pie into 10 so that each sector will get a share and enjoy the privileges. A lot of them also need help. It's unfortunate that the pandemic happened on what a lot of people call is a new golden age for Philippine cinema. For now, I guess it would be very difficult for all of us, but the journey is more important than the destination. So this journey that we're going through allows us to reevaluate our content and our creativity as, as storytellers and as creators of how we can best serve our audience in times of desperation and need, especially because of the pandemic. I think it would take time for us to be back on what we used to do. But the things that all of us will learn because of the pandemic, we can put it in what we had before and you know, improve the way we tell our stories, improve like how we perceive certain aspects of production and put it all together so that when we get back to what we used to do, we are better persons or better storytellers or better individuals in general. What we have to assess right now is this is the new normal. We have to accept the reality that we cannot do certain things because of the virus. Aside from that, we also have to take a look at how we can better ourselves. Now is the time also for us to think of how we can tell our stories better. So it's a double-edged sword for me. Like For some people, it's a big blow to the industry. And then looking at the other side of it also, it's a big time for us to reassess our ways of doing certain things. And that concludes another episode of B-Side. Once again, you heard director Adolfo Alex Jr. talking with Business World reporter Jarlene B. Chua. According to the director, films will look different post-COVID since production crews have been cut in half from 100 people on set to about 50. But he thinks of it as a challenge, as a way of stretching his creativity. He also argues that the entertainment industry is essential. Think about how you've spent your time during this pandemic you might find yourself agreeing with them. This episode was recorded remotely on June 20. This is Samuel Marcelo. Thanks for listening.